Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today, we have Todd Freeman, who is the Chief Audit Executive at Vulcan Materials on the show. For the first time in the Audit Podcast history, we did this interview in person, and we tried to grab as many camera angles as possible and make it actually look good. And so with that said, the again, for a, a first, we are going to publish the full interview in a video form on YouTube. So check that link out in the show notes. A couple of years ago, Todd told me this story, this audit story that blew my mind. And I said, awesome. I wish we could have recorded that. I said, is it okay if we retell that story later and we actually record it? And so he said, yep, that's great and wonderful. So let's do it. So that's the kind of the foundation of this episode. And in talking to Todd throughout the years, he recommended a book called The Politics of Internal Auditing, which hits on this story that Todd's going to tell. And so there's a link in the show notes to that. If you are a current CAE or an aspiring CAE, highly recommend it. I think if there is a book to recommend for those folks, as far as everything that I've read, that would likely be it. So highly recommend checking that out. Uh, we just recorded a couple hours ago. Jennifer John's episode. She's one of the Beacon Award winners from 2022. And she mentioned that book also. So uh, a bit serendipitous, maybe that she mentioned it the day that we're doing um, the recording here. So um, highly recommend that book. Also tune in for Jennifer John's episode in a few weeks. Uh, some other things that we hit on that are relative to the politics of internal auditing is the criteria that Todd uses to stand his ground or like his line in the sand. What are you absolutely not going to budge on as a CAE? How we can differentiate between political pressure and a simple disagreement amongst our stakeholders. Uh, examples of that from his career. Uh, and given that political pressure does exist, what lessons can CAEs and others learn to more effectively manage and mitigate that pressure from the jump? And then along those lines, you know, we asked Todd, have you ever had to break out the charter? the internal audit charter. Why, why not? What scenarios? Things along those lines. I know that's, um, we never really want to bring the hammer, but sometimes it's necessary. So we wanted to get his perspective on that. All right, here we go. All right, so this, like it basically started two years ago. I was sitting in your office and you were telling me some story about being called in on a Sunday afternoon um, I think you're on the way to church and somebody from the C-suite called you and said, Hey, come to the office. Now we have to talk about this. I'm butchering the story. 
Yeah. Anyway, at the time, and probably even still today, we're the most interesting, if there ever was an interesting audit story, I think that was it. And so I knew then, I was like, all right, we got to have Todd on and he's got to tell this story and significantly better than I just summarized it, I hope. Um, but with that said, just tell the audience that story to the yeah. extent you can. Sure. So it was actually on a Saturday night ah, close. when I got the phone call yeah. to be in the office on Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, I go 10 minutes late on purpose. Mm. Um, the call had come from the CFO, by the way. So it's one of those calls you want to say, yes, I'll be there. Interesting. It's on a Sunday morning. You want me to be there. So I show up. I uh, arrive into the conference room. I have to walk to the far side of the room to get to a chair. And I sit down, a couple introductory comments are made. It kind of ease into the meeting, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, General counsel stood up and and, and general counsel was in the room, the CEO, COO, CFO. So four pretty important people within the organization. And I get asked the question, what's it going to take to change your audit report? And I froze and I didn't know what to do in terms of how to answer the question. I thought these things were textbook things that nobody ever had to deal with in real life. I had been a director of internal audit for almost two years at that point. Mm -hmm. And it just hit me suddenly. And I said, facts. Mm -hmm. And the meeting abruptly ended. I was asked to leave the room. As I got up, I had to walk behind the CEO on my way out and he turned to me and he poked his finger into my chest telling me in very very colorful language that I had no business auditing that and I responded that I should be auditing that and then I left and I got into the elevator head down to the parking garage my knees were shaking (laughs) I didn't know what was going on So I sat in the car for a couple of minutes and I thought to myself, what's the next step? And so I reached down and I picked up my phone and I called the audit committee chair. And I said to her the story that I just relayed to you. And at that point it was kind of over. She said, just stay home tomorrow. Try to pretend like nothing happened, which who's going to do that, right? And she would be back with touch with me the next day. So that's that was the story. The, The church element part of it was... I got home and my wife is getting the kids gathered up into the car to head to church and uh, I I go with them. And the whole sermon was about doing what's right, even in the face of the pressure. Yeah. And I just thought, golly, I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. 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 So anyways, um, all public information, big investigation from what um, some internal things that had happened at that point in time. And we had significant changes in the executive suite as a result of that. Yeah. So then there was this, the the book, and I'll link it in the show notes. And since we are in front of each other right now for the first time ever, and I can't just pause this and pull up the name of the book in front of me like I normally would, there's some book, uh, something to the effect of the politics of internal audit or something like that. That's right. And so you had told me about that, I don't know, a few months ago. And I went, what could, what, I don't even know what that could mean. And so I picked it up and read it. And as I was going through it, that, that, that scenario that you talked about happens, I think, according to the book, and I'll address this in the show notes at the, or at the, on the intro, but it's like 
60% of audit leaders have dealt with the same thing to some degree of, hey, you can't audit this thing, don't do it, or change the audit finding, not just we disagree with it kind of thing, you know, let's go on the same page, but you cannot report that kind of thing. And I didn't realize that it was that common. And I think a lot of people go, yeah, I want to be a chief audit executive. That seems sweet. Like, it seems like you just kind of roll in and then you go to a bunch of meetings and then you get a fatter paycheck <laughs> yeah. than everybody else. And I went, yeah, that's a, that's heavy. It's heavy. And, and it's, it's, it happens to a lot of auditors throughout the course of a year. Right. And, and, and I've seen it a number of times, or I've been told to it, people who've worked for me over the course of time that, Hey, this manager wants this out or this manager said change this or change yeah. that and i always go back to the same thing were the facts yeah and and leave it at that yeah and i think that's in the book as well they talk about like 100 you have to have the facts and i think what's important there for the listeners as a takeaway is if you are the staff or the senior or maybe even the manager depending on your audit department makeup the facts are what like you're the one that's likely providing the facts. And so it's like unlikely I would have thought that you would have been in the details doing the, you know, the actual testing or anything to where, hey, I've tested this sample. I know these are the facts. You had to rely on the staff and the seniors to do that. And so all I had to say, even if you're the staff or the senior, like what you're doing is important, especially in those situations. Well, and there's another aspect to it, I think, too, and that is the way your team looks at you. Are you gonna cave? Are you going to stand up for what's right? What, 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 and then that's going to drive how they're going to respond to things, right? So yeah. There is that leadership aspect that I think is pretty important yeah. as well. Super important. All right. Um, so that is the, like, they asked you, it sounds like, not to audit a specific area of the business. Is that right? No, we had audited okay. and they wanted us not to report it. Got it. Okay. So what is what I would call, or, or even what the book calls your stay in your ground or what I call line in the sand. Like, where do you draw that in terms of 100% I can't budge on this verse? Yeah, let's work together and not tweak might be the wrong word, but come to an understanding more or less. Yeah, so it, it's always good to know. And I think it, in, in any presentations I've ever done where I've had to talk about career progressions with internal audit, if you're going to take on a chief audit executive role, you need to be prepared to walk away. Mm -hmm. The thing we were at last week is have a walk away fund, right? Yeah. Like walk away, be prepared to be fired, whatever it might be. You just need to be prepared. And so I think this, the stand the ground is, is, is a couple of different aspects. First of all, there is what's the law. And if there's anything against the law, you stand mm -hmm. on the ground, right? The second part of it to me is, is your code of business conduct. And the code of business conducts are usually written pretty well, at least I have been within the organizations I have. And that is a good governance document to use and to, to use as your stand your ground document, yeah. if you will. Right. So if you have in there that we're going to do our accounting and books and records to reflect the operations of the business, that's it. If you're going to do, um, you know, somebody steals, we're going to take disciplinary action yeah. that take disciplinary action. And so you, you push those limits as hard, I think, as you can. Um, at, at the end of the day, you go with your facts, you use those, the law, the yeah. code of business conduct as your foundation to help you push the case. Honestly, I've never been in a case where I said, relent and say, okay, go with what they want. That's yeah. just not the way to do it. Right. Yeah. So. All right. And this might be 
asking the same question, but maybe in a different way. But how, how can we differentiate between political pressure and simple disagreements amongst the, the auditees, yeah. as we'll call them, um, any examples that you could speak to? So I think it, it, it kind of pushes that just a little bit further in terms of um, it, you can disagree and that's fine. And my response to you will be, you have an opportunity to respond to this. Go ahead and disagree. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the, what was the other part of it? The disagree, but political pressure. Yeah. The political pressure of it is when you have, you're going to stand your ground, you've got right on your side and they want you to change something because it might reflect poorly in another area. Yeah. Right. And, and that is where I think the political pressures come in because there's a narrative that somebody wants to be told and this might yeah, stop that narrative or change the story a little bit. Is there any advice you could give to mitigate against that political pressure almost from the jump? I, until you can control other people, I don't think you can <laughs> you can really control that. And sometimes there's narratives you don't know about, right? Yeah. And, and all of a sudden you're doing an audit and boom, there's that pressure. So it's it's hard without having that control of other people. But it, it's it's something that you have to know at some point is going to be there. Yeah. Have you had to like break out the charter before? I have. Okay. Um, and, and it's probably not as an exciting story as some of the other things. But we we were having difficulties with an audit client one time, and it just got to the point where you know I said let's bring out the charter. We brought out the charter, but it turned into an educational situation where you got to explain what internal audit is, what's its role within the organization, how does it fit within the governance structure, mm. particularly with the audit committee and the relationship you have with that. So um, it, it actually kind of turned things around for the better for us, And but I, I think it was because it was an educational opportunity. Yeah. We we didn't don't just report to CFO or yeah. CEO or anything. We, we actually have a bigger role within the organization. Yeah. And I've been part of audit, like kickoffs, I'll say, where the director, audit in charge, whoever would always like bring it up at the beginning to be like, per our charter, we can do this, this, and this, and this, or like whatever, and like kind of lay the groundwork there. And I thought that was a pretty interesting way to do it. And I think it can be good if it's not with the intent of or you don't get the, the feeling as the again i'll call it oddity of oh my god like we have to do like, everything they say we can't push it you know like I, there should be some disagreement because i've also seen the other side where i've heard this where the ceo uh, will say said hey anything that's an audit finding management you have to do it and i went i don't really agree with that either i mean yeah. there should be we have findings we'll call them and managers go we agree or disagree or whatever it is but i thought that would take was interesting what do you think about that take of hey do everything that audit says to do i don't know that i like it yeah um because I, I, I tell my teams all the time if you're auditing me you're going to prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt and i'm going to ask you to prove it yeah. and i'm going to be the hardest client you've ever had so make sure you've got your ducks in a row when you bring it and then if we can persuade you through whatever dynamics we can do that through yeah. then let's do that but um if if it's you know sometimes things are simple sometimes they're more difficult and you've just got to have that art of persuasion behind you using facts using the real life situation that you're you've found and and then take it from there uh art of persuasion you mentioned that what is and i already know the answer so that's why i'm asking it the way i'm asking it because <laughs> we've talked about it before 
a the number one attribute that a CAE should have. It, it's all relationships, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's no, and, and I think it's it's funny because I've been thinking about this lately, actually, since your podcast with the Netflix guy, oh, yeah. and talking about relationships and how that plays into your understanding of the culture of the organization you're in, right? And I've been able to leverage relationships because you have good relationships to help us with audits. Mm -hmm. Instead of having to throw out the audit charter, yep. I can I can leverage a relationship by that. I can explain, it's easier for me to explain why we're doing a particular audit sometimes to the people you have a relationship yep. with. And they get it, they can make the connections, just audit never did that before, so why are you doing it now? Well, let me explain it to you. So I think those relationships are key to that and, and really help drive the success of audits. What do you, like tactically, because it's everybody, I think hopefully, especially if you've listened to the show, you know, we preach relationships all the time. What do you do to actually build those, especially for if you're in a like 100% remote and there's not the uh, we elevator conversation or or whatever, like what do you do? Do you have like a cadence with various stakeholders or what does that look like? Yeah. So I actually started this job in the middle of COVID, right? So it was, it was just getting to know people, get on their calendars, which I found pretty easy. Mm -hmm to do and they were very helpful, very welcoming to get into that. Since we've been back in the office, it is a regular cadence and it is, there are certain groups of people and I'll call it the C-suite people that I wanna make sure I meet with once a quarter. There are certain people, call them the direct reporting mm -hmm. to the C-suite who I wanna meet with once a month. Doesn't happen all the time, but we that's, that's the goal, right? And I find lunch is a good opportunity to do that because people like to eat, so. And, and getting away from the office, it, it kind of helps to open up the conversation a little bit better, but it's time. It's yeah. like any relationship. It just takes time and it takes co good communication in audit in particular, because people might be hesitant to welcome you in. It's a lot of what do we do? Why do we do it? That kind of conversation. So it, it works out pretty well. And then once in a while, one of them will say, hey, Todd, it would be helpful if you could go do this. Mm -hmm. We immediately attack it. I mean, it's just sometimes we stop what we're doing if it's something else and we go do that to prove to them that we're responsive to their needs. So we will evaluate, right? Like we don't just go do it. Yeah. We, we come back, I'll talk about it with a manager and we'll brainstorm through, is it worth doing? Yeah. That kind of a thing. And, you know, a lot of times these are, I mean, we had a case where we weren't renewing company vehicle license plate tags on a timely basis. We had one of our top op guys in a truck, work truck, that got pulled over by the highway patrol because they had an expired license. He was so embarrassed that we were in that situation. So he said, can you do an audit on that? And I thought, it's not a big deal, but it's responsive to him. He actually experienced it. And he's saying... How many trucks do we have across the state and how many times could this happen yeah. a day? And so it was an easy thing to do. And, and quite honestly, it was an easy fix yeah. to it. So it was an easy thing to do. All right. So I think one reason I want to have you on, obviously, to share the story. And then also because I do think there and I I don't think I know because I was that staff senior, you know, whatever that would sit there and go, kind of CAE has it so easy. They don't do anything. They just go to meetings. I had no idea what you actually deal with. So I really appreciate that. Um, whether it's in line with uh, more of what you do as a CAE or, or whatever it is, this is your time, like whatever you want to say, 
what do you want to leave the audience with? I, I, it goes back to relationships and probably the last thing you want to hear, but it, it, everything we do is keyed on that. I think, I, I think success is, is based on that new things, new trials, new money even yeah. can be part of that. And it's, it's having that relationship because a lot of times it's, it's, it's all about, Hey, I want to run this idea by you. Hey, we're thinking about doing this. I want to do that. If we do this, this is what it means. Maybe you can help me with some scripting with the audit committee, things like that. But it's, it is all about relationships that I, I am 100% convinced that's the key to success of being a good internal audit department. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.